and welcome to Sustain, and also welcome to Fossey. I'm here today at the free and open source software yearly conference, Fossey with a Y, very aspirational Y. This is the first conference held by the Software Freedom Conservancy. We do amazing work. We're in Portland, Oregon. I'm in a large, soulless convention center, but hopefully there's going to be some soul in this conversation as well. I'm your host, Richard Litauer, solo hosting for now, but I'm also here with a guest, one hopes, named Sam Whited. Sam, how are you doing today? Doing great. How about yourself? Doing good. Good. Just happy to be here. Where did you come from? Atlanta, right? Yeah, I came from Atlanta, so I'm on the opposite coast, the wrong coast, as we like to say. The East Coast is the Beast Coast, <laughs> or the best. West Coast is the Lest Coast. I, anyway, I can never make that work either. Uh, it's really, it's, I try. We try. It's tough. Where do you currently work? I actually don't work in the software industry. I work as a bike mechanic for a large corporation, unfortunately. But so yeah, I fix bicycles all day and then sometimes do open source software on the side. So A, you don't need to apologize for that. That's awesome. <laughs> B, everyone in the software industry probably would rather do that instead. So that's really cool. Love that. Tell me about what software industry stuff you do on the side. Yeah, so I've done some work in the past with the XMPP Standards Foundation, also the IETF, the Internet Engineering Task Force. So a lot of kind of open standard stuff sort of outside of the software. And then software-wise, I maintain an XMPP library called Melium that's a, it's a kind of full XMPP protocol implementation in the Go programming language, among other things. So this is the first time... I've had an XMPP person on the podcast. You know what XMPP stands for? Yeah, XMPP stands for the Extensible Messaging and Presence Protocol, which okay. is a big mouthful to say you can send messages back and forth. Why that protocol versus any other protocol? Yeah, I'll kind of quote a line from my talk later. I find being open source or free software is necessary, but not sufficient. XMPP has a recognized standards body behind it. It's been around for a long time. It's had pretty much every disaster that could befall a technology occur to it already. And it's still here and it's still kicking and people are still doing really good work to try and make something that's open and free and sustainable, which I suppose is what you guys are all about. So The protocol stack is large. There's a lot of things going on all the way from the bottom of like the electronic messages to how you get email and stuff. Where does XMPP sit? And am I using anything that I may not be aware of that already uses the XMPP protocol? Yeah, yes to both. Great question and definitely yes to your second one. So XMPP sits at a couple different places in the stack, actually. The core protocol is sort of like HTTP. It's a somewhat above the transport layer hovering around the application layer somewhere. You know, it is a generic network protocol. Most people use it for instant messaging, which sits a little higher in the stack. You have your clients and your servers doing very specific instant messaging features and that sort of thing. So it kind of sits at a few different places in the stack. Things that you may already know about that use it, the Snicket instant messaging server is a relatively new server that we'll be hearing from a few people about later today at the conference. Snicket makes it super easy to set up a self-hosted server that has clients for different platforms that all can use it to communicate. It uses XMPP under the hood. There's also tons of proprietary stuff that uses it that you may already use in your day-to-day -day life if you have to use Cisco's gigantuan mobile camera video conferencing awfulness at work. That's probably using XMPP for kind of signaling and for messages. The dating app Grinder, I believe, uses it for its instant messaging. Zoom, Jitsi on the more pleasant, free and open source side, it uses it for all of its signaling. So lots of stuff cool. you've already used probably is using it under the hood. I think I've used most of those. I don't know when I was last on Grinder. It's been a while. 
Cool. All right. Great. So what does Melium do? Yeah, Melium is an implementation of the XMPP protocol in Go. There's a couple now, but when I first started it, there really wasn't... Go was a more a newer language. A lot of XMPP, you could find libraries for just about everything from OCaml to C to Java, whatever you kind of your heart desired. But some of the more modern, newer languages that people like to use didn't have an implementation yet or only had an implementation that in Go's case that was super specific to the sort of non-standard proprietary Google Talk version of XMPP, which that's a whole whole shenanigan that a lot of us are still slightly bitter about. But it was sort of tethered to that specific implementation. And I wanted more of a not something just for instant messaging, not something for one specific company that's kind of tried to embrace extend, extinguish it by doing their own proprietary things, just a general low-level protocol implementation. And that's sort of what Melium tries to target. So obviously you fix bikes, which is badass and awesome. (laughs) Thank you. But how are you funding the work that goes into keeping Melium going? How much time does it take per week? Have you had any thoughts about how to keep the work sustainable so people continue to have a great Go instance of XMPP? Yeah, that's an ongoing conversation, as it always is. We have not done a great job of that in the past. And Who's we? How many maintainers do you have? Yeah, I say we. It's yeah. really, for the most part, just me maintaining it cool. right now. We do have a handful of other kind of contributors that come by on occasion and submit a small patch. I'm extremely grateful for that but I don't have any other sort of heavily involved maintainers. And that's something I'm really trying to foster and convince people that I know you say you don't have much experience or you just kind of did this little patch, but you haven't done a ton of go, but no, really hop in and that's okay. We're not going to be like, oh, well, you did this little thing wrong. We'll code review. We'll make sure everything is great and we'll all learn. And then you can hop right in and be a maintainer. And so that's something we're trying to encourage more of. I found we, yeah, we haven't done a great job sustaining it both on the fiscal side and in terms of getting maintainers, but we're trying to fix that. We have an open collective where we have tried to make all of the finances very transparent and make it easy for people if they do have a couple extra bucks to pitch them our way and even to pitch them our way in a democratic way where they can say, here's the project for voice and video, for example. I want to specifically allocate a few dollars to that and hopefully someone will be able to claim those dollars later and implement it. My goal is also to make Melium operate in a democratic way. I feel that one thing open source maybe doesn't always do the best is its governance. Melium, the goal is to operate it as a cooperative and adhering to the cooperative principles in such a way that anyone can join, anyone can become a member, anyone can have a say in the direction it goes, in what's prioritized. And I think this will give people more of a sense of investment and make them want to stick around and want to contribute more. I don't feel that I should be the sole person. I started it, but that doesn't mean I should have sole decision-making power for life. I tend to not be a fan of the kind of beneficial, excuse me, uh, the BDFL model. the Benevolent dictator for life. Benevolent. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. That's great. If that's what you want to do, some people have their project. That's their thing. I don't want that for what I don't consider my project, but what I want to be the community's project. And I hope that will help sustain it going forward as we build a community. So it sounds like you're doing all the right things that you can do as a sole maintainer. Have open collective, have projects, try to have open governance. That's exceptional. In terms of the ecosystem at large for messaging protocols, generally it's really difficult to garnish any money for usage rates when you're building a lower protocol level implementation. Often that work is unpaid. It's often unthanked because people don't know that they're using XMPP, right? I've never used Jitsi and thought, hey, I should give thanks to Sam today. Sadly, now I will, but in the past I haven't. So I'm curious if you have any thoughts about how to help out maintainers and creators of protocol implementations like this 
outside of, say, massive funding models like Filecoin or Protocol Labs or something. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. My thing in particular is, especially if you are a company using an open source project, if you are a open source project with a good budget using lots of upstream open source projects, contribute the tiniest bit back. It doesn't have to be a lot, even if it's just an emailing to say, hey, we don't really have a budget, but, you know, thanks for this. Something outside of just filing issues is great. We really appreciate that. Following up when a thing breaks and asking for support is great. We'll help as much as we can. But also thank your open source maintainers. Send a couple of bucks their way if, if you can. One of the things we, in theory, try to do we, is that as we grow, we aim any donations we get, we aim to set aside a portion of that for our upstream project. Cool. And so if somebody throws five bucks our way, we might throw a dollar of that over to Codeberg, for example, who's the repositories, kind of Git repos software we use. And... I like that model in general. I wish more open source projects would do that. I know if money is scarce and you don't want to give up the small amounts that were donated to you, but you're also relying on those upstream people. So I like that kind of trickle upward effect of I got a few bucks, and but I didn't do this alone. Other projects helped me. So we'll pitch a few bucks their way as well. So there's a few other projects that do this. ES Lint comes to mind. I guess the question I have for you is philosophically, that's a kind of an egalitarian model where as a consumer you should donate back to the services that helped you out and it seems kind of republican in the sense of let's build a better society but it's also something that we've seen a lot in western civilization from the tithe from the idea of religious giving back 10 percent to the church i'm just curious what's your personal philosophical underpinning that allows you to have that sort of model of let's give back to open source projects Yeah. Come at it from sort of the other direction. I've been involved in the cooperative movement. There's also a great track at the end of the conference here on uh, cooperative software and cooperative companies. So I come at it from the other, not a forced tithe. You should be paying your software, but just the people who work on the software deserve to have an ownership stake. And that means any money that it makes should go back to them, not to some large corporation or to some CEO at the top. So the kind of building things cooperatively and distributing funds cooperatively and following those kind of seven cooperative principles is really my where I come from on that. A, if you have the money and if you can, donate. And if not, don't worry about it this month. And that's sort of where we come from. Can you tell me about the seven cooperative principles? Where's that from? Yeah. So the, in, I believe it was 1995, the International Cooperative Alliance came together in Germany, I believe, and put together kind of what they believed were the principles that they believed cooperatives should follow. and makes things a cooperative as opposed to just a business that's kind of just a business owned by its workers versus a true cooperative business. I don't know all of those principles off the top of my head, but you can go look them up on their website. But they're things like um, yeah, we'll do. democratic member control and cooperatives supporting other cooperatives. And we try to kind of follow those in Melium. And that's also how we approach funding and funding other projects. How do you spell Melium? M-E-L-L-I-U-M. That's really fascinating. I didn't know about that. So thank you for sharing. In your own life, you're obviously a smart man. You obviously know what you're doing in terms of using Golang to implement protocols. Can you tell me what made you make the financial decision to work as a bike mechanic instead of, say, working for any sort of co-op-like consultancy you could have in open source? Yeah. If I could have found a job in a sort of cooperative enterprise, I think I probably would have done that instead. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, the co-op movement and the sort of open source movement, despite sharing a lot of similar goals, doesn't overlap as much as I would have expected. My career, I had mostly worked for medium to large sized tech companies, the kind of names you would have heard of. And it was 
sort of a miserable experience. A lot of people thinking they were getting a great deal while really systematically not having any say in the products of their labor. And if I had found a cooperative company, I probably would have done that. But I, after a while, I just decided I had to do something that I really liked that was going to not feel so soul crushing every day. And I like bicycles and I'm also a big advocate for car-free cities and bicycling. So I decided to try to jump into that instead and still do some software on the side. But I definitely really support all of the open source kind of co-op consultancies. And I wish we'd see more of that. If hypothetically some of your users gave you 50 bucks a month or a hundred bucks a month to work on Melium, would that improve your quality of life? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred dollars, especially when you compare it to the salary of a bicycle mechanic, which let me tell you is, is not much. A hundred bucks a month is enough to devote five or six hours to software that otherwise, right, someone would have to be at their full-time job working. And a lot of open source maintainers, especially those that do it full-time, have that similar kind of mindset where they would love to do more, but they've got to make a living too and pay the bills. And unfortunately, we do live in this kind of capitalist society that forces you to go do the daily grind just to be able to put food on the table. And so even a little bit really, or a little bit in terms of a software developer's salary really helps in terms of open source maintainers being able to take a few hours off work, take one day less a week and devote that to their open source work. And thus make better work. I'm not trying to suggest that Sam is on a photo somewhere (laughs) saying, you know, give to your local developer. Sam, this has been great. Thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciated the conversation and the perspective you bring. I hope Melium continues to do awesome. Where can people find you on the internets? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on the Fediverse at sam at social.coop. I try to support cooperatives in any way I can, and social.coop is an absolutely fantastic cooperatively and democratically run Fediverse server. So that's where you can find me, sam at social.coop. And Melium? Melium.im is our website, and that's the domain you can use to download all of our various Go packages as well. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Listeners, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. If you're curious about FOSSI, where these were recorded, go to sfconservancy.org, to the Software Freedom Conservancy's website, where you can learn more about it. It's been really, really fun to be here and have these great conversations about free and open source software. Of course, if you've liked this podcast, please let us know. Like us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to it. Email us at podcast at sustainoss.org. Give us any thoughts or comments or queries or complaints. We would love to hear them. And of course, please tell your friends. Word of mouth is the single best way to get more listeners on this podcast. And hopefully you think that that's something we should have. If you would like to donate, you can go to Open Collective to Sustain OSS, where you can donate to the production cost for this podcast, which is not free. So that would be super, super great. And of course, you can join in the conversation yourself by going to discourse at sustainoss.org to go chat. And you can follow us on Twitter at sustainoss, on Mastodon, and I believe on Blue Sky. So thank you so much for listening and take care. Bye.